me your ears. <laughs> this nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. If you don't damage your feet, your feet work really well. And so it's, a, it's actually a solution by subtraction, not by addition. Like we live in a world of addition where, oh, you want to get better? You got to do this and this and this. It's like all you got to do is not do this and you're going to work pretty damn well. Nick St. Louis, welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Um, it's really, really great to have you on. I've been uh, itching to talk to someone uh, from the Foot Collective and yourself, because you're, you're kind of the guy. Um, so I'm really excited to, to have this conversation and very grateful to kind of the internet that's brought us together and generally and some amazing connections I've made. Um, always been a bit skeptical about the internet, but, um, but it's good to have you on. And uh, thank you very much to Jeff, uh, the Urban Barefoot, for connecting us. Yeah, yeah, Jeff is a master connector, and uh, thank you for having me on. I'm always grateful to have conversations with anyone uh, willing to hear my voice, and uh, you know, I, I look forward to a, a great chat. and And uh, thanks for reaching out, and thanks, Jeff. <laughs> no worries. Um, so let's uh, the audience audience heard a little bit about you and, and and what you stand for and what you're about. Um, but I just kind of want to know, like, you know, I want to hear your story. You know, how you got to where you are on your journey, and and um, why the focus has been around the foot for you. Yeah, well, I can give you the Coles notes. Um, so probably in about like late 2015, um, I kind of had this epiphany that feet were important. And it was, I was at a cottage, it was gravel road, I was barefoot. And I just kind of realized like, we don't learn anything about feet. It feels amazing to be barefoot. And I think shoes are the chief reason why so many people are having problems with their feet which is a very strange thing, right? When the clothing you wear is what's literally damaging your body and no one seems to be aware of this, uh, there's a big void there. And the solution, when, when it's at its core an awareness problem, spreading awareness is actually uh, more possible now than ever before through things like social media. So I'm a physiotherapist by training. I treat a lot of people with foot pain and I treat a lot of people where their foot pain literally debilitated them from being able to do their sport or being able to live uh, a happy life without suffering. And so started to just focus on the feet on myself uh, because I had messed up feet from spending a long time, a lot of time in cleats with rugby, a lot of time in uh, all the terrible kinds of footwear. I was kind of a shoe head. And, um, and so kind of went down that road and use social media as a, a basically an exercise to see how well can I explain this and can I get, can I even get people interested in feet because feet are not um, an area that's usually talked about. It's not a very sex, sexy topic for a lot of people. Uh, but the more I engaged with learning about my feet and how simple it was to essentially restore natural function, the more I realized like, wow, this is really simple. And I think I can articulate this in a way that will resonate with like a 10 year old. So most people can understand this. And, um, uh, yeah, and it's just kind of been this meandering journey to figure out, you know, it went from feet, which kind of are the foundation for the body. So we started there and then we've sort of meandered into all the pillars of health because we realized that the same lack of awareness with feet and footwear uh, is also there with food. It's also there with sleep. It's also there in every realm of health. And, um, and so fast forward to today where now we have this sort of global community of people we call foot nerds, which are all 
sort of sharing their experience and, and uh, contributing to this decentralized database of knowledge that we can constantly evolve. Uh, because the way we teach health right now is is pretty silly, um, and you know it's all done by textbooks. And if it takes two years to publish a textbook, well, in the world of health and in the age of the internet, in two years that information is probably not nearly as relevant as it once was. And so, um, yeah, we're just—I mean, our goal now, really, in the vision for TFC, is to play a big part in changing health culture. Um, and you know, there's a lot of things packed into that, you know, our daily behaviors, our norms, our clothing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the Coles notes of where it started and where it is today. And, uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I can, I can absolutely relate to that. I'm coming from a rugby background as well. And I think also military service kind of screwed my feet up, which led me on a journey into kind of Lee Saxby's world. Um, and I did the Vivo barefoot instructor course and I've been coaching people minimalist running athletic running technique. And, you know, similar kind of trying to get people more aware of, uh, you know, things that perhaps aren't so sexy and aren't obvious, but it, it's, it's hard work. So, so good effort for kind of going down that road. Um, but what's, what's, what's fundamentally the, the, do you see it? Let's bring it back right down to basic. You see fundamentally is the problem with um, most people out there in terms of their foot health. What is the, I mean, it's just awareness. Like literally if you, solve the footwear problem. If people can understand the basic elements of what to look for in footwear and can prioritize, can understand that the feet are important enough um, to deserve prioritization in terms of what you're covering them with. If people get that and, and nail that, um, I think foot problems resolve as long as you just throw in a bit of time and patience. That's really the fundamental issue is the awareness problem with the footwear we wear because if you don't damage your feet, your feet work really well. And so it's a, it's actually a solution by subtraction, not by addition. Like we live in a world of addition where, Oh, you want to get better. You got to do this and this and this. It's like, all you got to do is not do this and you're going to work pretty damn well in terms of your foot function. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And, And so what, but I guess, I guess from my perspective, it's very much a kind of hidden, um, hidden problem that doesn't emerge until later on in life. Um, right. what, 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 what's the damage that people just wearing kind of quote, unquote, short, short shoes with heels, um, boxed in toes. What, what are the issues that people are, you know, what, what are the problems that people are accumulating through, through that sort of behavior? Yeah. And you bring up a good point because most people with dysfunctional feet, um, and that's kind of a, a term I prefer to use than all the itises or osises that you'll hear in the book. Um, most people with dysfunctional feet have no foot pain. And pain for most people is the indicator uh, that something needs to be done. And so if you're walking around with feet that are essentially slowly getting um, sort of damaged by the footwear you're wearing, but you have no indicator to say that there's something wrong with your feet, then you don't tend to deal with it until it's a problem. And the resilience of the human body is this magical, beautiful thing, but it's also a burden because unless you're informed, you sometimes won't realize that there's a problem brewing until the problem has hit a, a, essentially a peak or a tipping point where your, your, your body's like, ah, I can't do this anymore. So we're going to make sure you're paying attention to it now. And by that point, most people interpret that as the beginning of the problem, when in reality, that's kind of the end stage of the problem that's been manifesting for a long time. So, um, yeah, I just think, 
I think if you improve awareness, people learn how to detect problems before they become catastrophe. And that's really what needs to happen because things like bunions, things like plantar fasciitis, Morton's neuroma, generalized foot pain, all of these things, all of the itis osis that affects so many people and, and creates so much suffering in this world um, are things that really, you know, all these complex manifestations of problems come back to the same root that there's simple solutions for this. If you take the rock out of the shoe, the foot does well, regardless of what label it has been put on its pathology. So I think simple is better. Simple is what people need in order to take action and have clarity. And, the, you know, like you said before, the internet is this magical, wondrous thing that we have now. And, you know, information, unfortunately, is no longer power, is no longer empowering for people. It's clarity that's empowering. And that's sort of our mission is to, to create clarity among the noise by just peeling away the layers and putting information out in the form of heuristics, which are general principles that when used by the general public will affect and benefit 95% of people or more. Hmm. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. And along the same lines, then, what's your, you, you must get guys and guys and girls that come into your, um, to, to see you in terms of therapy that have got a running background. And, you know, when you hear the words, um, oh, uh, you know, what's the best shoe that I can get to help because my knees ache or I've got ankle issues. What was your, what's your comment on that? <laughs> so I haven't practiced. I, I don't practice in clinic anymore. I haven't done that for about a year and a half because TFC was just, it came to a point where I had to decide whether I wanted to maintain my um, ownership in the clinic I worked at and, and pull my weight um, accordingly or kind of commit to TFC full time and be able to really push this project forward and grow it. Um, so for the past year and a half, I tell people that now instead of treating one-on-one, -on -one, um, I treat people in groups of 30 with full day immersive experiences. So I, I, I think the word treatment, all I do now is share my experience. And that's really what I did. Even when I treated was I shared what, whatever knowledge I had for the potential that it could help someone. Yeah. That question I get a lot. What's the best running shoe that's going to help my knees? Um, and almost always I try and redirect and divert the conversation away from the shoe and back towards the body. And, and really what I try and do is understand what story does this person have about what story has this person been told and internalized that's directing that question, right? So that if someone says, what's the best shoe to get rid of my knee pain, they, their story that they've adopted um, and internalize and, and identify with is that the shoes you wear can heal your knees. And that's just a false premise. And so to not deal with that and just talk about the shoes does no, really accomplishes nothing sustainable. So I always tell them like, the shoes you wear can affect how you move and they can negatively affect um, your joints like your knees. But what in reality really affects the health of your joints is what you do with your body during the day. And that has very little to do with the shoes you wear and more to do with what are your movement habits. And so I always try and redirect the conversation to something more broad in general to give them a, a higher level view. You know, if they're zooming in on the shoe um, and they're coming to me because they think I know the secrets about feet. I try and zoom back out and say, listen, let's look at your whole life in general and what you do with your body. And let's from that determine what things you're doing that might be contributing to your knee pain. We'll also talk about shoes, but really it's like, Wear something that protects your foot and doesn't disrupt its function. We tried to curate a good collection of that at TFC Shop. That's an easy thing to do, right? Picking your, sh picking your foot clothing is really, really simple. 
Um, and you know, the running shoe question I get all the time. And the answer that I've been given to that is a shoe that's good for your foot is good to run in. If you can find something light and breathable, even better. But in reality, it's not about the shoe. It's about how you move and it's about the function of your body. And I always try and redirect towards that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, it, yeah, it's, 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 it always comes down to the biomechanics really of that individual and the, the, the habits that they've, they've accumulated over time that have led to the injury. Not, you know, there isn't, there isn't a quick fix, I guess is, is, right. is kind of what we're saying. <clears throat> and, and I think part of it is, Oh, sorry. No, go. Um, oh, well, I think part of it is people need to know that there's going to be work. Like I remember when I practiced physio, the first thing I said was, you're coming in to see me. I'm on your team. I want you to figure out how to get yourself better, but I can't do the work for you. And guess what? This is going to be work. You're going to have to put in time. You're going to have to work on your body every day. I will be there to, to guide you as best I can and encourage you and support you and help you troubleshoot. But it's like you said, it's work. You have to put in the time. There is no shortcuts. Um, there is no quick fixes. And and after saying that, bringing it back to, okay, what do we start with tomorrow? Because you don't have to do everything tomorrow, but you got to start. Um, and I think it's important for people to understand that sometimes things that seem immeasurably large to, to accomplish, like these big goals, I have so much pain. How do I get out of pain? It's like, well, let's pick one thing to start with tomorrow that you're willing to actually commit to. And if that's doing one single squat before you go to bed, guess what? That's a tremendous start. So let's start there. Hmm. Yeah. And with, with the, the movement that, you re, that you've created now and the workshops that you do, the immersives, what's, you know, what, what is the snapshot view of the, the benefits that that brings to people? Uh, play and connection. That's really been our primary focus. We realized that, you know, our 2019 seminar, um, well, one thing I realized recently is actually the power of digital content um, to give people an outlet to be empowered and to consume information and learn at their own pace while also implementing that in their life. So we're focusing on a massive digital content project right now called Beam Tribe, which goes way beyond Balance Beam. But, um, but I realized the power of digital content. So we're going to focus a lot more on that. But the in-person stuff really, you know, we can give people all the information to consume later on. They don't want information when they come to an event. They want to connect with other people. They want to be inspired and they want to play. Or I don't know if they want those things, but that's what we try and deliver and try and deliver like something where people leave um, having this feeling of, wow, I just connected with three people, three complete strangers on a way deeper level than I connect with some of my friends sometimes. And it's really um, kind of a platform to give the experience and then inspire people to begin their journey and then provide them the tools that they can then start to consume and trickle into their life over time. So it's really about the experience. And that's, that's what the in-person stuff will always be because if you have a group of humans together um, and you can create scenarios where they play, engage, touch, show vulnerability in terms of partner games and, and have a positive result from that, that is, there's a lot of positive shit that comes from that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And what, well- obviously you, you, you've, you, you live in a sphere, but like, but like we all do now, we live in, in kind of little bubbles where we kind of have filters on the information we get, but, um, in the wider health and fitness space, what, what are the trends that you see that, that kind of either pique your interest or, or make you very frustrated? Uh, yeah, that's, there's a lot to be frustrated about. Um, <laughs> but I, I've kind of reframed like every morning I wake up, I have a whiteboard in my bedroom. And it has uh, my personal values written down. So I, I read them to reinforce them to myself. 
Um, but I also write the word view every, every obstacle as a challenge and view every problem as an opportunity. And I really think that that's completely shifted my frustration to then, wow, this is a really big opportunity. How can we contribute positive change or inspire people to lead um, in diving into that opportunity? So I think the frustrations, I've just kind of taken away the word obstacle or frustration, just been like, okay, how can we do something with this? And I think there's a lot of changes happening in the world of health and fitness. I think like we're in, we're kind of in like this weird gray zone where there's a revolution that's already begun in terms of people really looking to be effective, right? Because what I learned in physio school was how to diagnose and treat and manage symptoms. This is not health. This is sick care, right? And this is, it's well-intentioned. My professors are all really smart people. They're essentially just caught in a system where there's so much momentum and kind of dogma stuck in this way of thinking that it's hard. And, and put it this way, the people teaching me that stuff were not what I consider to be healthy, right? They were not good movers. Um, they were not, they did not look like healthy humans. They were very smart and well-intentioned and I love all my professors, but, um, the reality is you need people living the, being the example in order to authentically teach health. And that's really what the Fortner community is. It's, it's really just a group of people that are like, I care about my health. I'd like to tap into this collective knowledge that's been forming. And then I want to take my experience and what I've learned, recontribute knowledge, and also use that experience to share it with others in hopes that it might inspire them to do the same thing. And so, you know, one thing I'm seeing in the world of health and fitness is that you have some people, and, and I should just put a disclaimer out that when I say health professional, professional I define as someone who makes their primary income from that specific um, activity that they're doing, right? It's not a hobby. They're professionals. They learn, they grow, they devote time to it. They make their primary income from it. So any health professional is a professional who takes their role seriously that works in the world of health. And the word health is a massively broad term, anywhere from, uh, you know, an orthopedic surgeon all the way to like someone that graduated high school and decided they want to be a movement coach and has really started to dive in that journey. That is a health professional. If they take it seriously, just like the surgeon. What I'm seeing is that Health professionals that have higher level degrees but aren't being effective are essentially seeing their impact and their roles um, be taken up by people who are motivated to grow and learn and stay current, like the personal trainer. I'm seeing personal trainers replacing physiotherapists because the physiotherapists are not doing what they should be doing to help people, and the personal trainers are. They're doing the FRC courses. They're doing all the, you know... I think the world of nutrition is filled with a lot of complexity for nothing, but um, they're learning, right? They're learning, they're living and breathing the health example and they're loving what they do. And that love for what they do and that fulfillment in living um, kind of their work is so much more powerful to help others than the physiotherapist who's bombarded with 20 patients a day and is just trying to essentially not drown um, in an attempt to make a living. So I'm seeing that this, this realm of health professionals some people are stepping up to the plate and taking over the, the roles of the people with the really expensive degrees because guess what? Your degree doesn't mean shit if you're not helping people. And at the end of the day, your outcomes and your impact matters way more than the piece of paper that you paid for. So that's kind of one thing I'm seeing. But I think just the whole health and fitness industry is just blasting forward and making progress at an unpre unprecedented rate. And obviously with that, there's always hiccups, right? But um, it's really cool stuff and it makes me really optimistic for the future because so many more people can help solve this health problem instead of just the people who are 
quote unquote treatment givers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, you touched on so many, so many gems there. You really did. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely couldn't say it as, as, as coherently as you just have, but I, 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 I echo exactly the same sentiment and people that have listened to, to my episodes would have, would have heard the same sentiment come out from me. Um, and, you know, having transitioned from clinical practice where you're right, you just, you know, my colleagues were really unhealthy, no two ways about it. Um, coaching, fitness background as well. And, and, and I think for me, having spoken to lots of people like yourself and also seen that, that uh, clinical world, um, it's, it's that relationship that, that is very different and is too, very, too much, very much two sides of the fence. So um, that thera- therapeutic relationship, the doctor-patient relationship, I think it's fundamentally mm-hmm. broken. Um, I agree. Uh, no, no matter how well-meaning those professionals are, um, they're always uh, overwhelmed, overworked, uh, burnt out quite often, and quite looking quite um, looking to you know that they're they're very much working within a a framework that I believe is limited. And, and I recorded a podcast earlier this week. Um, someone had expertise from the pharmaceutical world and that's just mind boggling, you know, the, 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 the medication that does get to market versus the ones that don't. Um, so you've got all these professionals limited in, in the framework that they have to use the protocols. And then the other side of fence, you've got guys like, like us, um, who are building really strong, powerful relationships with people and having much more of an influence over their health. Um, and for me, that, that's the crux of kind of like you said, the sick care system is that relationship, um, ownership, accountability. It's, it's just a mess. Right. And I think everyone that goes in um, to a field where they're helping people with their health goes in with the most amazing, noble intentions. And that's really is the biggest opportunity, I think, is to free health professionals to actually have an impact without sacrificing their own health. And, you know, I've gone through ebbs and flows of this in my life, um, even with TFC, where I, I get to place points where it's like I'm doing so much stuff uh, to try and push forward and make as much progress as quickly as possible, um, because I know the potential of what, uh, what all these projects have are, where I literally sacrifice my own health, and then the quality of my work suffers. And it's sometimes just getting a slap in the face and, and sitting down, you know, it, I'll, I'll one of my most keystone habits now, which is relatively recent, super recent in my lifespan is uh, meditating every day or just taking time to think away from all the distractions. Uh, I was, I was, and still battle with an addiction to distraction. People are addicted to being distracted, right? We see the difficulty of meditation being, we view it as something that's hard to do, but it's not hard to do. It's just, you're addicted to all the other shit that you fill the negative space with. And that's why meditation is hard. But sometimes I'll realize like, I'm trying to do too much. I'm doing way more doing than being and it's causing me to not be as effective. And so just sometimes slowing down and thinking these things through, um, I think the doing and not being is literally the life of almost every health professional because these people go in with intentions to help others. And essentially the problem that they have, the, the systemic problem with the framework is that you feel like the health of your patients is your responsibility. And that's kind of the doctrine that you're bred with, right? In school, you are responsible for helping people with their health. Now, the problem is you're not given any of the tools to essentially get that person you're helping on your team. Like I'm responsible for your health. If you're messed up, it's my fault. I feel pressure to help you. The problem is you cannot fix people. 
people can only fix themselves. And if you're not given the tools to empower that person to fix themselves, you are perpetually under this. And the, and the more you care, the more stressful it is. This is, the, this is like this fundamental problem. And when I realized that people need to take ownership and responsibility for their health, you need to be there as like the understanding empathic parent, right? Where if a child is not doing what they're supposed to, you don't just flip out and get mad, but you also don't feel terrible. You make sure that they're aware of what they need to be doing and you do your best to help them grow into being able to do that. And when you take that approach as a health professional, it's incredibly liberating because it's no longer your responsibility for their health. You are there to help them reach a level of health that they feel is important to have in their life. And, you know, you need tools. So we, we're trying, we're working to create an app that essentially provides a database of curated knowledge that people can consume at their own pace and then implement into their life. And so your role is more guiding them to the right content and not having to inform them and pretend like you know everything. Um, because it's, it almost seems like the more you pay for your piece of paper in the world of health, the more invested you are in the fact that you know the truth and that you can teach people and that you don't have to, you know, the more you pay for your degree, the less you have to actually continue to learn. And it's this very weird thing that we've gotten into. And um, that's one thing that you see kind of changing, right? In the Footner program, we have everyone from emergency room doctors to, uh, we have a guy that rides a unicycle and is a handyman and helps people fix their houses. Like there's this broad scope of people, but they all find a deeper purpose and meaning in, I value health. I want to improve my health and then I want to help others improve their health as well. And that's a super powerful aligning element that we all share. And I think if, if the first day of physio school was putting it on the table that you are here, if you want to help people, you need to give them responsibility and help improve their awareness and then be the loving empathic human that helps them reach that potential. Not the person that takes on the role of being primary uh, have taking primary responsibility that's a powerful frame shift absolutely absolutely fundamental um yeah and uh, it's, it's really interesting seeing it evolve obviously i'm, I'm I've, I've been sort of uh, clinical practice health and fitness for coming on 13 years now and i've seen that evolution in my own life as well you know the the mistakes i made 12 years ago and the mindset i had was you know it makes me cringe to think back um, and if I think back to when I was playing uh, a lot more sport, a lot more rugby, uh, before that, as a young man, I, you know, I just just didn't have the awareness that, uh, that I see in, in this space uh, now. I really don't. And I did, obviously, we didn't have the tools um, and, and the internet wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Um, in mobile phones weren't even a thing. But, um, but I just... You know, I probably didn't have the appetite either, but I'm I'm seeing lots uh, lots of younger guys g- coming through with with that appetite and curious about movement culture, curious about yeah. uh, taking ownership of their own health, um, nutrition as well, and getting getting into the weeds in that, which I think is a, is an evolution for everyone, slightly different. Um, so yeah, it's it's it is it is it is an incredible time that we're in as well, I think, mm-hmm. and specifically now um, with the crisis that's going on. Um, do, do you see any fundamental shifts that in the last that the, the last three weeks has brought about or can you see anything changing um, in that space yeah i mean i don't really have a very good pulse on on the world or you know i have my bubble of uh i have in general i have a very i have few people that i talk to but i have deep meaningful communications when i speak to them um and so you know, our conversations are really more focused on what are we doing right now to contribute positive change? What are we doing every single day 
um, to put out messages that can help others feel a sense of hope and optimism in, um, in these really strange times. And so I don't know, I, I like to do thought experiments of potential trajectories of what we can learn and what will change from a world that we're in now. You know, the world, the pre-corona world to the post-corona world are going to be extremely different worlds. Uh, and right now, everything we do every single day is essentially playing a role in deciding what kind of world do we want to live in? What kind of world do I want to live in personally in terms of my life? So that might mean reevaluating how you work, what you do for work, um, how your relationships are with your family, all that kind of stuff. But also, you know, how am I going to vote to what kind of world we should live in after Corona? Right. Am I just going to sign on and allow um, my complete privacy to be invaded under the guise of it's being done for my benefit, my health? Um, or am I going to stand up and be like, no, we, we can come together and achieve, you know, what we need to achieve right now to solve this crisis without having governments basically look into our entire lives. Um, and, you know, I'm going to spread this knowledge to my friends, my family, my network. And, you know, we're making decisions and no decision is a decision. And so, you know, I think I try and be as minimally educated to be informed enough to do the right thing. And which means that I only, you know, every three days I do about two hours of research from about three or four people that I trust have their finger on the pulse. But I think, I think people are spending more time with their thoughts now because there's only so much scrolling through Instagram you can do. And I've had some friends that are like, yeah, I'm bored right now. I'm like, boredom is a treat. Like you need to make good use of it and you need to use it like starting a journal. I literally struggled with taking a daily journal for like for the past two years. I always said, I'm going to take a journal. I never did it. And guess what? I was in California um, when this whole thing really started to get serious. I had to take a, I made the decision like, we're just going to go. I was there with someone. I'm like, we're just going to go home tomorrow because I don't know what's going to happen. And that day before we flew out, I went and bought a journal and I've been journaling every day. And that has been a powerful change in my life because it's actually made me realize shit way beyond the current situation. But it's like making me um, examine the things I do and reinforce the habits I'm trying to uninstall or install and really be, hold myself way more accountable because I write something in there every day. And then on Sunday morning, I review all of the days that I wrote stuff. And I'm like, wow that's interesting, that trend, or it's interesting that I do this, or I felt that that day. Or, um, so I think we have, you know, there are opportunities, people just have to know how to take advantage of them. And unfortunately, our culture is not one that rewards self examination or spending time in solitude with your own thoughts. It's one that essentially promotes constantly being distracted. And at a certain point, you can't distract yourself anymore if you're stuck at home. So I think hopefully, you know, it might feel weird and uncomfortable for people initially. But I think there's a lot, there's just so much potential for what can come, what good can come. And I've seen it in my personal network where uh, people that I know are addicted to distraction have started to kind of think through some things. So I'm seeing good stuff in my circle. I don't know if that's an indicator of, you know, global culture at large, but I'm seeing way more people outside. I just met, I met all my neighbors um, and I hadn't met them in a year and a half because no one's ever outside. And so there's, I don't know. If you're looking for it, there's good stuff. If you're look, whatever you're looking for, you will find. So if you're looking for the shitty stuff, you're going to find a whole lot of it, an unending well of nasty stuff. But if you're looking for the good stuff, like it's all around you. You just got to put the lens on that makes you tune into it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've, you know, over the last two weeks, two and a half weeks, I found myself kind of getting caught in, in that negative world of kind of comparing, contrasting news reports and, and different theories, what we should be doing, what we should be doing. And, and, and I had to do exactly what you're describing, which is take a step back and get back to some, some fundamental rituals in my daily routine that set mm-hmm. me up to not get distracted by the, the negativity in the world and, and, and you know, what, what's, what you can't control, what's outside of your sphere of influence and, and back to what you can. And, and yeah, like you say, trying to, trying to do good in the world, which, which, you know, I truly believe that your work does. Um, and you know, that's my, my goal as well with, with what I'm doing with the podcast. Um, so let's kind of switch for a little bit. And um, I want to go back to something you said a while ago um, with a view of kind of helping um, people to, to actually you know, that are, that are listening to this, maybe facing challenges in their lives. So you talked about um, uh, detracting from your life as a, as an overriding principle, um, you know, subtraction versus addition. Um, yep. How do you, how do, how does one frame that? How do, how do we kind of get our head around what that means to us and how do we start implementing that in our lives? I truly think, and this has been reinforced in the past year, certainly, um, is start start taking a journal like literally that is the for so many people that i've spoken with that is the key element because we I, I mean our brains we remember what we choose to remember and oftentimes we don't remember the important stuff or it's really hard to think and make connections if you don't have um some sort of documentation that you can refer to which is better you know our our brains i always tell people my hard drive it ran out of space a while ago um I do have a photographic memory. It's called an iPhone. If I take a picture, it's remembered forever. Um, but my memory is not good for remembering things a week ago, two weeks ago, sometimes yesterday. So I really think the starting point to living a more examined life and determining what you can benefit from subtracting from and what you should be adding is actually figuring out, um, number one, writing down the things that matter to you because that anchor really gives you um, a light at the end of the tunnel to, to, to make decisions without needing to make decisions, right? You make the decisions of what matters to you. Well, guess what? A shitload of decisions in your life have already been made, which means you have more bandwidth available to think of other things or tune into life, right? Like to pay attention. We're so busy thinking about things all the time. You know, most of us don't pay attention to our lives, to our own happiness level, to our own family, to the people we try and connect with. So write things down, write down what matters to you, and then write a little note down every day. And, get, and one of the things I realized with journaling was I was putting the expectation on myself that I had to write basically an essay on how every day went. And I was like, Ugh, I don't want to do that. That seems like a lot of work. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write one sentence to start with. Today was an awesome day. This is one thing I did that was great. This is one thing I did that I want to change. That was it. Three lines. And from that has basically turned into something that I look forward to doing because it, a lot, it gives me just a little bit of space. It's part of my pre-sleep ritual. You know, I turn off all the lights. I put on one uh, warm, like fairly light, um, fairly low lumen light in my bedroom, just enough to basically see. And I'll write in the journal for 10 minutes and then I'll read for half an hour. And by then my eyes are already 90% shut and I just fall asleep. And so I think creating, like you said, those rituals and Jeff got me on this word ritual. And I always thought, you know, whenever we think of the word ritual, we think religion, right? Religious rituals, but really a ritual is just a behavior. It's essentially a purposeful habit that you've decided to uh, upload into your consciousness that you've decided to program yourself with. And 
rituals are powerful because you don't need to remember to do them if they're part of your daily routine. And I think, I think it all starts with taking a journal and then slowly seeking awareness in whatever you, you know, if something matters to you and you're not living your life congruently with the fact that that matters, if you're, if good quality relationships matter, but your life is such that you're so busy, you're not able to spend time on relationships. Well, that creates this internal sense of dis-ease, right? Not disease per se, but this sense of uneasiness because I know I want to live like this. I'm not living like this. What the heck am I doing that's not letting me do that? So writing down what matters and then you can start to chip away at, okay, I kind of want to, I want to be this kind of person. I'm currently this kind of person. So I'm going to work on that. And I'm going to write down every day what I did today to work towards being that kind of person. And by taking that journal, that is step one is just awareness and giving yourself the tools to at least examine your behaviors and chip away and know that you don't have to change everything overnight. Um, because it's, that's just not how things happen. Um, and starting with that, I think is a really powerful start for people, especially in a time like this, where they can then go back and see like how they were thinking, what went on that day. You know, this is like a, this is a freak event that we are going to have in our back pocket for the rest of our lives as, Oh, like we had this ice storm in Canada where, you know, basically everything got coated in ice. The whole city just got destroyed. Power lines fall down. Like it was incredible. And we still remember ice storm 98, literally. We remember that because it was a significant moment. This is going to be a significant moment. And it can be significant in that it was a time of terrible struggle, or it can be significant in that it was a time of that made me rethink my shit and reevaluate and, and essentially create a new trajectory for my life, which is for the significantly better um, in terms of my overall happiness and satisfaction with my experience. So I think people just need to start that journey by documenting what's going on and then using that as a reflection point to then figure out, okay, what do I, you know what? I didn't do what I wanted to do today, but I'm going to try tomorrow. And, th and every 24 hours, we have a brand new blank slate to try to do what we think we need to work on. And, uh, and I think that's powerful. Cool. And yeah, absolutely. Um, and what, in terms of, the, the movement components that that you're you're uh, an advocate of what's what 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 are people what are people not doing that they should be doing or what, what are they doing too much of um what, what, what other kind of coaching cues would you give a, a lay person that you pass in the street what are we doing too much of i think we're doing too much of sedentary behavior right like staying in one position for long periods of time sitting in a chair just so happens to be the the primary position that we adopt most frequently. Uh, but if you can find a way to move more and sit less, and I didn't say exercise more because exercise is this very narrow band of movement, but moving more means, you know, I like to do, I like to do things where you engineer the environment in a way that creates a system for you to reach a goal. So having a goal of sitting less is great. Two people can have that goal. One person can, can reach that goal. The other person cannot get anywhere close to reaching that goal. And the difference might be the system that they use in order to achieve that goal. And, you know, if you find yourself sitting on chairs or couches frequently, well, there's a really easy way to troubleshoot a system to make sure the right behavior becomes a norm. It's make those pieces of furniture less convenient to use or even better, unavailable. Like I don't have any chairs in my house. And so I have no choice but to, <laughs> but to be creative. I mean, you can't just take away chairs and that's it. You have to create inviting spaces that allow for you to sit on the ground, that allow for you to adopt different positions. So I got these big, thick, oversized yoga mats everywhere. 
So that anywhere is this really inviting space to sit on the floor, to kneel, to squat, to lie down, whatever you want to do. And so if people literally just say, today, I'm going to do 10 minutes less of sitting and 10 minutes more of movement, that might be a really good start, right? I, like we always, I always tell people in order for people to change, everyone's at a different point. Everyone's willing to make different levels of changes. And one thing we want to do over time with TFC app is create essentially a habit change menu where you have anywhere from a micro change, like a nano change, which would be that 10 minutes less of sitting, 10 minutes more of movement, all the way up to a macro level change, which would be like, I'm taking all chairs out of my house and I'm just going to find a way to make it work. And people can pick from a menu of 10 different things based on what they're willing to commit to and what they see as actually feasible and making sense with their life. And I think if you write that down, you're like, okay, today I'm going to, I'm going to bite down on this micro level change. And I'm going to write tonight how I did with implementing that change. And if I didn't achieve that change, I'm not going to bash myself and say, oh, you're worthless. Why didn't you, you couldn't even do that. I'm just going to say, what didn't I do that would make that role much easier, make that change much easier to make? Or what did I do to get in my own way to make it harder for me to reach that goal um, so that tomorrow I can do better? And that, that like really nice, like the nice empathic self-examination instead of just like, I think some people treat themselves, if you treated, I know people that treat themselves like an asshole. They're really nice to everyone else when it comes to how the conversations they have with themselves or how they treat themselves for not doing things they should have done. They're just really harsh and really critical. And the conversations you have with yourself are the most important ones because they reflect on the conversations you then have with others. But I think we just need to be nicer to ourselves and know that if you didn't achieve a goal, maybe it wasn't the right goal. Maybe you were working against yourself and just finding ways to troubleshoot. And that just comes through experience, right? Like I remember you said, looking back, you kind of cringe on the way you used to do things. So do I. But guess what? That's how we got to where we are now is just by doing the weird things, feeling there was a better way, learning better than doing better. And you can never get mad for someone for evolving and um, improving the way they do something. And I think, I think part of the you know, problem in, in medicine and health in general is the reluctance to ever be open-minded to changing your mind, right? Just because you're doing something a certain way today and someone says there might be a better way. It doesn't, changing your mind doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that you were doing something wrong because you were just doing the best that you knew at that point in time and not self-identifying with the way you're doing something allows you to be open-minded to changing your mind and being like, wow, I was doing something wrong my entire life. There's a better way, but now I know that way. So I'm going to do it that way. Uh, and not doing better when you know better is the problem. Doing better when you know better is not the problem. Yeah, and and we see that we see that as uh, you know, I certainly see that people get older. You know, we talk about the, the body starts to calcify. We see people calcifying their mind as well, and really, right. it becomes so hard to change your viewpoint because you become so stuck um, to to that one standpoint. And and you know, I, I, I completely agree. If you find you doing the hard work, doing the deep work to actually undo those thought patterns, those beliefs and, and being able to challenge yourself and grow is, 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 is the work, right? That is the work. Right. And it's uncomfortable when you find out that there's a better way. Uh, I always get those moments when I go to courses or conferences where I get this pit in my stomach of discomfort where you want to like shy away from it. You're like, ah, oh, that guy said something really powerful, but he must be wrong because it's not the way I do it. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I feel really uncomfortable right now. So there's something to that. And it's like, you got to lean into it and you got to investigate it deeper. Um, 
And sometimes the harsh moment is when you're like, I need to change things. And that's going to make my life really hard in the short term. But it's so important that I need to do it. And that's another thing with the foot nerd community. It's really, you know, we have this basic training where you got to go through it and then do the exam to show that you've kind of gone through the content that we deem as like basic understanding. But then after that, it's really a tribe of humans that help each other. We had a podiatrist in Australia. He worked a certain way with a business partner who was a longtime friend and did it a certain way for a long time. And he had a fairly complex relationship with this person where they co-owned practices, they had different locations. And, you know, I had some conversations with him where he was like, dude, it's going to be really tough to untangle this. He's not open-minded to changing. So I have, we got to break up. And it was rough. And it's almost like breaking up in a relationship where you realize that you're not on the same wavelength and it's not going to work. It's uncomfortable. And stringing it out and, and just dealing with that every day is way more painful than taking the Band-Aid off and then having this freedom to, to do what aligns with your values. And so the Footner community creates this community of people that can help each other go through those transitions, right? The doctor that needs to change the way he's uh, practicing to improve his effectiveness and to reduce his personal stress burden that's a really uncomfortable task. It's a really intimidating task to do. But when there's three other people in the community that are like, yeah, I did that. It sucked initially, but this, these are the things that I did that really helped. That is super powerful collective knowledge and wisdom that we can share and uh, cross pollinate between everyone. And that's really this deeply ingrained sense of community where people are all just helping each other. That's literally all we're doing. We're helping each other live through this little blip in time that we have in this current experience and just allowing other people to feel supported and know that someone else has done it and they're so happy now. So I don't care how shitty this is. I know that I can ask them if I need help and it's going to be really good after. Um, there's something really deeply comforting about that. Um, and that's just the power of community and our, you know, the global TFC community is just this group of whatever, a couple hundred thousand people around the world that, seem to like the content we're putting out and are supporting us and learning and sharing. And like, it creates a super organism of just people that want to do better and want to learn more and want to help each other. And it's super powerful. Like I underestimated the power of collective wisdom and, and sense of community. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, like, yeah. And, and, uh, we're we're in a really unique time where we're able to create that global network of people that that ha, that that are leading the way that we want to go, leading leading us down the path that we we're choosing, as opposed to right. living in our our kind of own you know whatever our own little you know, school friends or workmates are, where those changes almost become too uncomfortable because no one in your community um, is for example, wearing barefoot shoes. So you're like, well, I don't want to wear them out because everyone's going to laugh at me. Um, right. and, and that's, uh, that's, that's the internal narrative for sure. But we've now got this opportunity where we can connect on Instagram with lots of people like yourself or that are actually doing some really cool stuff, um, in the barefoot space or, you know, they're running marathons without shoes on. And you're thinking, well, actually I had that foot pain. Um, and I want to buy some barefoot shoes. Where, where can I get that wisdom? Where can I get some people where it's an accepted uh, thing to do is go out and wear that sort of shoe or no shoes. Um, but yeah, I think pre previous to that, and I think it, it's still, it's still inherent to how we talk to ourselves. We still are, are very hesitant to kind of venture out, uh, something slightly different to, to, to what, what is the norm, quote unquote norm. Um, and what people are, what people are traditionally, uh, 
used to seeing. Um, but when you do break through that, um, it's amazing how, how what the response is, even from your local community or lo- you know workmates, whatever it might be. Um, that's that's not this this kind of network of people that are really kind of aspirational to you, um, because I think that response is 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 often very powerful. And I, I know personally, you know, when I started on my kind of minimalist barefoot running journey four or five years ago um I, I was kind of nervous about wearing silly shoes um to, to to go running in and and you know yeah some people did laugh some ways did laugh at me but some of them were a little bit curious as well and they're like oh and now you know when i go i don't know sometimes i coach groups um down where i live and um you can guarantee a handful of those guys will be wearing you know some sort of minimalist shoe it's really interesting it is and it's Someone sent me a great video once. There's a basically a, a, a hillside of just grass and some music starts playing and one guy gets up and starts dancing, this really wacky dance. And everyone sitting down is like, that guy's a weirdo. But then one other person gets up and starts dancing. And then another person. And the more people that are dancing, the more people want to join. And at a certain point, the last person sitting is the outcast. It's not the person dancing, doing the crazy stuff. It's the person that didn't get into the into the vibe and just lose the shackle of caring what other people think, because guess what? Now everyone's dancing. So you, you better get up and dance or you're going to be the, the outcast. And there's this inherent um, tendency for humans to not want to stray from the pack. It's just, it's evolutionary. It's hardwired into our little lizard brain that still lives in deep in there. And it's that if you stray from the tribe, if you do something counter to what is the norm, um, then that's dangerous right? Because if you stray from the tribe, you're threatening your own survival. It could be really dangerous. So you shouldn't do that. And so we have these feelings. And now that technology has allowed our community, right? The word community used to mean your local community, the people around you that you connect with. Now that technology has allowed you to broaden that definition of community to now be a digital community, to be a group of people that align on a certain set of things from anywhere on the planet can form a digital community. And so you know, when I started going barefoot or preaching this message, I was the only dude dancing. But then when you connect with people over social media, you're like, holy shit, there's people dancing all over the world. Let's get together and talk about dancing because more people need to dance. How do we convince people to start <laughs> dancing, you know? Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what social media does. It allows you, if you think you're a weirdo and you like weird things, well, guess what? There's probably 10,000 other weirdos just like you. You just got to find them. And when you, when you come together and create this sense of belonging with a group of people where you're like, Oh, that was the only one that thought like this. But now I know there's so many other people. This is amazing. Um, and you align that on a powerful message to then spread that message. You be being the example is the best way to change people's minds. It's not telling them what they should do. It's being the example and letting their curiosity come out. And then they'll, they'll ask you when they're ready to, to do the things right to improve. When someone is ready to make a change, they will come and approach you and ask you if you're the person known for that. And that was kind of, you know, I've only realized that in the past year where family is always the hardest group of people to help because you're their, you're their son, you're their brother. You're not, you don't know anything. It doesn't matter what you know, you don't know anything. Um, and so I've learned that just by doing the behaviors that I think are healthy, which is the way that I learn anyway, is, is implement and experiment with behaviors and see how they affect my life. By doing it, people automatically gravitate towards you and ask you questions when they're ready to change. And that's exactly what you can't force that. You can't rush it. They have to decide once they've decided. Then it's up to you to try and share what you've done 
for the, for the potential that it might benefit them in embarking on that same journey. And that's kind of, you know, our, we do this, um, retreat, we've done it two years in a row this past year in February, we went to Costa Rica and we had a bunch of the footners there. One of the most common threads, one of the most powerful messages I took from that is that we don't teach, we share. And Felix, one of our footners from Germany has a saying, we're teaching is preaching, sharing is caring. Just share what you know and invite other people to ask more about it or to implement it, but don't teach, don't tell them what to do. Just invite them um, to understand the way that you've done things for the potential that it might help them. Big frame shift. Massive frame shift. Yeah. And that's, that's what I've employed in my, my coaching uh, as well is, is to kind of offer up pieces of knowledge and information, but make no suggestion as to which one they're going to try and implement and, and su- suggest that they don't actually implement all of them. They just pick one, see whichever one they want sounds interesting to them. Try yeah. to implement that, come back feedback to me and themselves and the group. And, and that's, that's, that's the power of it really is it's complete shift. Um, and you know, we get caught in these doctrines, of you know we all line up in rows and we get taught we get preached at from a teacher uh, all through our youth don't we um mm. yeah so it's it's yeah it's it's it's, it's tough but but you know no no growth of that pain i would say for sure yep, exactly um, we're bred to do that we're bred to listen and implement what we're told and so you really have to have this innate sense of curiosity and this lack of caring about what other people think. If you know what you're doing is right, just do it full force, pour your heart into it. And good things always come from that. Um, We just have to have the courage to kind of take that first step or to be the first person dancing. Um, And and the only conversation that you need to have is a conversation with yourself to know and to feel that what you're doing is right. And know that it could help other people see someone doing something quote unquote abnormal because right now being diseased is normal. So being abnormal and being healthy is actually a really good thing. So embrace the weirdness and just do what you know is right. And, uh, and other people will eventually get curious. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. And, and yeah. Uh, and, and touching on one, one other thing you said there, it's, you know, the be, being, being the message, being the change and, and being an advocate for your own health and just allowing people to gravitate to you. Um, the, the story that, that I always refer back to is, is one of a child, you know, a, a, a young child will listen to nothing that the parent says, but they will see everything. Um, right. the parent does and they'll um, copy everything exactly yeah 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 so yeah cool man I, i'm yeah i'm blown away by by your insights i really am nick and it's it's been so valuable to to have this conversation thank you very much um and i want to give you the opportunity i've got one more question for you and i I've, i want to give you the opportunity obviously to let us know what you're up to what you're excited about and, and where people can get in contact with you um but i just want to kind of acknowledge um the amazing work that you're doing um and, and the organization that you put together and and you know i would really encourage people to kind of check you out and and i know you've got a huge audience already so thank you very much for coming on and sharing your wisdom well thank you for i mean so the work that you do i i we do a podcast as well and i know that every single person that i speak to on a podcast the work that you're doing the time and effort and energy that you put into creating a platform to inform other people of for the potential that it could help them thank you for doing that because number one these conversations that i have are just as valuable to me as they are to anyone listening because it really forces you know, someone that is asking you good questions, which you're doing, forces you to really organize your thoughts in a way that I, I almost 
I leave almost every podcast with a realization or a way of thinking about a topic that I didn't have before. So I get just as much benefit from this. And thank you for putting time and energy into reaching out, scheduling, planning. Most people don't know what goes into a podcast in terms of, <laughs> of preparation and energy that goes into posting these things. And um, you know, this is, this is part of the movement. This is part of the message. This is how the revolution is happening is through uh, avenues like this. So thank you for doing this and inviting me and um, taking time to have a conversation because it's important. Um, no problem, man. And it's interesting. I, I interviewed a, a lady, Australian lady, Dr. Selena Bartlett, and she, she said something that was really powerful. And, and every time I speak to someone, um, 20, 20, 30 episodes I've done, um, I'm, I always walk away kind of with a reframe or something really deep to think about. And, and it, it's blown me away. So it's a, it's a valuable process um, for me as an individual and hopefully the audience. But she said, um, you know, the work we're doing, you and I, um, you as well, Nick, um, is, you know, we, it's, it's about changing one person at a time. And mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a great platform to, act, to actually be able to do that because you're able to have an in-depth conversation. People are, tend to be less distracted as well. It's wicked. Cool, man. I'm, I'm grateful for that comment. And I want to finish with, with asking, asking you the question that I ask um, lots um, of my guests, which is, uh, what does health mean to you? Yeah, that's a really broad question. And I've, it's the question that I've been thinking of a lot lately because, you know, I've, the biggest focus that I've been putting in is redefining healthy and what it means to be a healthy person. Because I think a lot of people think is beyond the reach because of the phase that they're at or the issue. And so, you know, my definition of healthy uh, has nothing to do with your current state and has everything to do with your confidence that you have control over your health. So I think health means feeling confident that you're in control of your mental and physical state and that you feel um, confident that you can take the steps needed in order to improve your mental and physical state. Feel confident that you're doing the work every day to improve slightly every single day. And so, you know, I think the classical definition of health being the absence of disease is not, is so shallow that it really, it doesn't, it's a good little snippet to say, but it doesn't really do it justice. And I really think that health means having a good relationship with yourself in terms of your physical and mental health, having a good relationship with other humans and having a good relationship with your environment. And so it's really about the strength of that relationship and your confidence that it's actually an authentic relationship that aligns with the values you have and reflects those values in the current state of your relationship with yourself, others, and the habitat. So I don't know if that was a very good way of answering your question, but I think it's something I'm still very much thinking of in my own life and context, but also in the broader sense that when I get those questions, I can do better at answering them. So yeah, hopefully that's okay for now. I, I, I like it a lot, actually. And you've you put some thought into it, which is really, really, really powerful. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's ever evolving, isn't there? There is no point in time, which we've, we've talked about lots. We've talked about lots and, and how lots of professionals think is a point in time reference to their knowledge um, when, when that's just not the case. We're constantly evolving and changing um, for sure. Nick, um, what are you excited about at the moment in the work that you're doing? Uh, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so people can find out. Uh, but the full collective.com and the full collective on Instagram are the, uh, are the two main kind of launch points for all the stuff that we offer. 
Um, the thing I'm most excited about right now and that I've been kind of pouring um, all the energy that I have into is uh, something we're calling Beam Tribe. Um, we started using balance beams as a physical and mental training tool a while back. And it's kind of involved, you know, this whole situation where we had to cancel a bunch of our events uh, and the response and feedback, the positive feedback we've been getting from our digital seminar um, has really like really made me realize that our most powerful tool to connect with people, the physical in-person stuff is still great and it's going to be important, but our most powerful tool is creating something that is easy to use that can help people with little micro doses of, of help, whether that's from an awareness standpoint or from a practice standpoint of giving people some advice on a certain movement challenge or task that they can do. Um, not telling them how to do it, but giving them kind of a set of constraints and letting them play with it. And that's really what the beam is. So beam tribe, you know, we frame beam where beam really means bridging experience and mindfulness. So it's a community of people um, that are striving together towards self mastery. And so beam tribe is essentially going to be a platform through TFC app that has a theory component where people can learn and get better awareness and also a practice component, which can be done, um, on a balance beam or literally a piece of wood or a piece of tape on the ground is a balance beam, right? We kind of redefine what balance beam means. Um, and so that's really, my most uh, exciting project right now, because I think that that's really the most powerful way to reach people with a current and up-to-date and constantly evolving database of, um, of knowledge that we're just sharing from the core people at TFC um, and giving it to people in a way that's very affordable and is actually very enjoyable to consume in a way that if you want to spend 10 minutes a day working on your health, well, we're going to do our best to give you as, as best stuff as we can in that 10 minutes and allow you to choose what path you take. So that's what I'm most excited about. Thank you so much, Nick, for having me on. It's really a pleasure to speak with people that are in the space, doing the work. Um, and you're right, the work that we're doing and where includes anyone. I think anyone who's working on their health is doing the work to create positive change in the world because if you're, you know, and especially relevant right now, the biggest thing you can do to be an activist and take an active role in helping this current situation is work on your own health. Because if you're healthy, you're reducing the burden on the medical system, which is already going to be tested, stress tested at its limit. Um, you're putting in the work now to make sure that in the world post Corona, um, you can find a space to have a, to live in a world for yourself that is more enjoyable. Um, and so focus on your health. It's the biggest thing you can do. It's available to you every day. And like I said, Beam Tribe is going to be our way of trying to make that journey um, more straightforward and actually fun. It has to be fun. Um, because I think fun is the secret sauce when it comes to movement or learning. If it's not fun uh, and it's just straight work, it's probably not going to be done sustainably. Awesome. Awesome final words. Nick, thank you very much. Namaste, brother. Likewise. Um, There we go. Nick St. Louis from the Foot Collective. Um, I sincerely hope you got a lot of benefit and value out of this episode. Um, I know I did, and, and it's a really um, amazing experience to, to, to chat to, to Nick and, and understand the, the amazing work that he's doing and, and his mission, you know, and, and living his mission and, and really trying to help people and, and help people in, in a way that he fundamentally believes is authentic to human health and, and human life. Um, and, you know, the last uh, last few minutes there, he's, he's talking about his definition of health and healthy. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully that's got you thinking, certainly got me thinking about out, um, what it means to, to be healthy and you know if you're if you've got the confidence to 
um, go out and do the things that you want to do in life um, and, and you don't have that nagging psychological um, voice in your head that, that's telling you that you need to improve X, Y and Z and you've got that kind of f the freedom of thought to, to understand that you are healthy and, and you know the actions you take are aligned and synergistic with your long-term health trajectory and, and that's easy to say um maybe not for me but easy to say but but very difficult to implement in this day and age i think there's so many distractions um so many quick fixes out there that takes us away from our authentic journey to to long-term health and you know psychologically we're not geared up to really understand those long-term 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 goals so we've got to kind of slice it up and and that that's when it becomes very muddy and 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 we get caught up in in these uh, shiny objects that, that perhaps detract us and 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 lead us astray um so you know so i hope you can reflect on on that last part of the conversation and, and really understand deeply what what um what it means to you to, to be healthy and and you know take what you're learning on these podcasts and take this information uh, this wisdom and, and really implement it into your life over the long term that is my goal that's my mission um and the conversation with nick there is is you know really beneficial to to, to that um and align to that so i really hope you enjoyed this episode please 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 um nick's got a huge following already but please um go over to the foot collective facebook uh, instagram uh, engage with nick um uh, engage with the foot collective you can also go to their website um which is thefootcollective.com and they've got some incredible uh very affordable uh, online courses that go through uh, what they believe to be some real fundamentals to to health uh, uh functional movement foot strength ankle strength hip flexibility hip stability um really really they they really put the work in really put a lot of thought into those programs so you can get all that um, on their website the foot collective start again thefootcollective.com um, it's an amazing resource and they've also got some uh some products on there and they, they share some some really interesting products to help you build an incredibly healthy foot because if you're anything like me or, or like most of the people i meet um your foot health has suffered over over a lifetime of wearing uh clothes and shoes that haven't allowed your toes to to move and 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 over stabilizing for you over compensating for you um so you need to kind of undo that good work and there's some amazing little devices that they've got and 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 will we'll help you to to really build that and in, in a fun way as well so please go and check that stuff out um follow nick engage with nick um have a look at their audio as well and they've got an amazing resource there to, to really dive into um also guys please subscribe leave us a review it's really really beneficial to us growing the movement and growing the mission and me understanding how well um, i'm doing in delivering this content to you guys so uh, whatever app you're on uh, just leave us a review and the most important thing you can do is share this with someone you care about um, that will benefit from from it until next week take care